ready to get Ethan hockey. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, quarantine lifestyle. How are you guys? Doing all right. Fine, it's yeah. really hot today. It's hot today, yeah. Not about right? that. Yeah, my brain, I'm not about that. My brain just stops working at about like, I don't know, 80 degrees. I think it just stops hmm. functioning. Same here. I'm from New York, so I love like cold weather. I I don't like know what I'm doing in LA at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it get hot there in the summers though? It does. New York becomes like a swamp, especially like uh, New York City. But you know, it, it, most of the year it's freezing. Right. Right. Nice. So. Yeah, I don't think I'd do very well with that either, though. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, so I like it to be exactly 72 degrees as much as possible. You I know? feel that. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I feel like I'm more of like a 68. Ooh, a 68. Which is a constant source of tension in our relationship. Yeah, true. I feel like that's very San Francisco. That's where you're meant to be then. Yeah. Mm. We mm. should do that. I've, I've, I've always said that we should do that for a while. Live in SF? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're uh, very well-to-do. Yeah, yeah. We can definitely afford that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Of course. Of course. Of course. Russian Hill. Oh, yeah. My my uncle has lived in San Francisco, like, forever, like, since the late 70s. So he has this really incredible apartment. It's, like, it's a one-bedroom, but he's had rent control for, you know, almost 50 years mm. now. So he has a really good situation, and I've always really secretly hoped that one day he would bequeath that apartment to me. You deserve it. Yeah. You deserve it. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just waiting for him to, like, move out to Palm Springs to retire, you know? take a load uh, off mm-hmm. the city's too much for him he it, needs to take a break it really is he needs it and so do we <laughs> um yeah well that's been weather talk with uh <laughs> with the hawkeyes squad um i'm harper i'm jonathan and this is hawkeyes authentic knowledge and feelings i feel it i feel I know where you're going with this. You want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, whoa. But I'm really not funny. No, no, no. And we shouldn't have a podcast. What? (laughs) Okay. Today we're joined by a very cool, wonderful guest. You may know her from the stage at UCB or from the phone screen if you follow her on Instagram. It's Miranda Hart. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? <laughs> uh, good. You know. You know. Living. I feel like I should talk in like an Ethan Hawke voice, like the entire podcast. Yeah. Just real yeah. down here, like this. Yeah. Like I'm so aimless. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's fun. We love, we love, to, we love Ethan Hawke. We love to pretend like we're <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Uh, naturally, naturally, like leather jacket, like mm-hmm. hair split down the middle. Oh yeah, big time. Smoking. Yeah. 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 Do you hear pe- the, the French are saying that smoking cigarettes can can cure COVID? 
<laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah, so wow. maybe we should all live that 90s Ethan Hawke life. I'm open to it. Yeah. Um. So, Miranda, what's your relationship like with Ethan Hawke? Oh, my God. My relationship with Ethan Hawke is, like, really interesting because I feel like when I was young, I always had actors that, like, bothered me and I think it's because maybe deep down I was attracted to them <laughs> and like I didn't want to admit it like I feel like when I saw like um I'm trying to think of the first thing I ever saw him in probably like uh I don't know why it's like escaping me but oh uh uh, uh, uh dead poet society yeah 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 uh I saw him in dead poet society and I was like oh like I don't like him I hate him <laughs> And my brother was like, no, you don't. You like, you want him. I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but then as I got older and I got like really into like reality bites, like I loved reality bites. Like when mm. I was like 16, I'd watch that like every day. And I was like, oh my God. Like he's like, he's annoying, but like in the best hot way. Like you're like, stop it. Stop it, Troy. But you like love it. You love it. <laughs> So my relationship with him is like, you know, just that guy you're frustrated with, but like you want to take home. For sure. <laughs> was there a reason? Because I think you had set, you specifically chose Before Midnight like a while ago. Is there a reason why you were drawn to this one? Are you a big fan of the Before series or Richard Linklater? What's yes, the deal? I'm a huge Linklater fan. Like I, I mean, like it's weird because I mainly like act and do comedy stuff, but like. I do kind of dream about like getting into directing and if I did it would be like so Linklater-esque it'd be all like just like walking around the city and talking <laughs> and like waxing poetic on like what's going on like I love that energy like I actually did like a one take uh one hour long conversation like film like as just a kind of like an improv exercise and I literally told my friend, I was like, this is going to be like the before trilogy. I'm just going to like approach you on the subway and someone's going to film us for an hour talking. Wow. And we did that. And like, I'll never share it because it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I don't know. His, uh, his before movies have like really inspired me. And I like, I like all three of them. But I feel like Before Midnight has a sort of like, it's just impressive to me. Because it's hard to do like a sequel of an action movie, let alone a sequel and a, and then a follow up of like a a really kind of like small intimate love story. I just think that's like such a beat. I think it's so it's like so well done, and you're still so invested in um in the characters all these years later. And and it doesn't feel fake. Like I feel like it doesn't mm -hmm. feel forced at all. So I just love it. I and I love I love their arguments in that movie. They're so mad at each other. Yeah, they yeah, really are. It's intense. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. so we had watched these movies pretty close together when we were in college. We watched all three of the before movies. And um I really hated Jesse and Celine when we were done with it. And yeah. I was really frustrated with the movies in general by the time we were done with it. But this time around we've been watching, you know, we've been going through all of Ethan Hawke's filmography in chronological order. So it's been they've been spaced out, I think at the appropriate rate yeah um i think really the best rate would be to see them every nine years the way they originally were released mm -hmm. um that's true but yeah i mean i think that having a couple months apart between each one 
um, has made me appreciate them more for sure. I love the first two, and this one, this one, I, I think maybe also because I'm older. I feel like I've said this about all three of them. <laughs> you know, now that I'm older, I get it more. Mm. Um, yeah, and also. Oh, like- yeah. Oh, sorry. No. Oh, I was gonna say like, well, I just feel like every like adult romance movie when I was younger, I'd watch it. I'm like, they're so hateful. Like, why can't <laughs> it just be perfect? But as you get older, you're like, yeah, relationships like fucking suck. And like, if you can stay together and and like not verbally abuse each other every day, then you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, Jonathan and I have been together for oh. almost eight years now. Oh my god. Is that right? Is that math? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so but that's like probably, you know, so now we've kind of been together almost as long as Jesse and Celine have actually been together in this movie. Because <laughs> oh, they had been together for nine years. Uh-huh. Like really together. Right, so right, right. um so yeah, I felt like I could kind of maybe understand where they were coming from more. Yeah. Not that like we What? You could <laughs> Not that you guys cheat on each other. Every no, not day. that we. Yeah, not that we cheat on each other and like fight like that necessarily, or have children, or you know, have any of the particulars of successful their relationship. Successful literary career. Yeah, successful literary career. Except for I don't know, I don't know how much after the first two books. I feel like. Anyway, but we'll talk about it. Um, like sinister. <gasps> what about, like what sinister? Like the movie Sinister. What about Sinister? The movie we saw. What about it? Where he's uh, he wrote oh, a couple of successful ones. books yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they weren't as successful after that. That's right. Have you seen Sinister? No, I need to watch it. It's spooky. It's spooky. I did not care for it, but um, or like um, the Squid and the Whale with Jeff Daniels. He's like, oh, no one will publish my books. Like that's <laughs> always like a plot line in movies. It's like they had one successful book and no more. Totally. Yeah, I yeah. think. Um, I guess what, what kind of makes me think about also because uh, Jesse's books in this, they said they were like pretty sexual. Um, it reminded yeah. me of The Affair, uh, Noah from The Affair. When he, he wrote the, that first book, Descent, was all about uh, his like hot affair with Ruth Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like another kind of like movie or TV trope where like the character's like, I wrote a book about us. And it's like kind of a mind fuck because you're like, I'm watching a TV show about like a book within a tv show that's about the tv show like it's very confusing totally i love it though yeah yeah now i'm thinking of all the fake ethan hawk books mm-hmm. in his movies right he's played a writer a few he's times he's played a writer a million which times, would yeah. i want to read the most Ooh, interesting mm-hmm. well let's think about it so he's got the three books he wrote in this one mm-hmm. which was uh basically before sunrise and before sunset yeah. and um a third book that had a really long pretentious name that everyone criti- critiqued um and then sinister he wrote all of those um true crime novels yes um, what are some other ones? In Woman in the Fifth, he wrote some book that we don't really oh, know about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. What other times has he written? I'm sure he's written a million times. He yeah. In um, White Fang 2, I'm pretty sure he was working on being a writer then because he was writing a letter at the beginning. Or maybe his poetry in Dead Poet Society. Who yeah. Wants to read high school? <laughs> his high school poetry oh i'd love that 
I realized <laughs> that, that it's kind of been a while because a lot of the books that we were going through, I mean, a lot of the movies we were going through were like the true crime ones. Wow, what the hell happened to my handwriting? It was really neat here. It got really messy lately. Yikes. You're going through a dark period. Yeah. Yeah. But there were more doodles in this one. Ooh. There's things to be concerned Intense about. doodling. Yeah, there's things to be concerned about in... I probably would want to read um, the one from Sinister the most. Interesting. Yeah, the true crime Kentucky one. Blood. Kentucky Blood, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a, like a Cormac McCarthy yeah. Like, type of thing. Yeah, Kentucky Blood, or like Truman Capote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what the, the, they they reference Truman Capote in yeah. it. It's like, this could be my in cold blood. Totally. <laughs> I love when authors say that about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, should we get into the into the movie? Sure. Yeah, so we're talking about Before oh. Midnight, if you didn't catch that. Um I think we learned the first two times that we talked about these movies that it, they're kind of difficult to talk about because yeah. they're so talky. There's not a lot of plot to them. Yeah. But this one actually had a bit more had plot. a bit more, yeah. Because there were other characters. It wasn't just the two of them. Yeah. Um, and they had several locations. <laughs> yeah. That so, was the interesting yeah. thing is that there's like a solid chunk of this movie that's spent with like four or five other characters. Mm-hmm at least yeah yeah there's like six six care there's six people besides them at that um little dinner thing that they have mm-hmm. in greece because there's the old dude the old british dude mm-hmm. and then the the patrick yeah the uh couple the young couple and the middle-aged, uh-huh, the middle-aged couple. couple yeah and then there's the older lady mm-hmm. yeah I think that's it yeah that's a lot of people yeah yeah, a lot of, yeah, that's, like, one thing about the film that I probably, like, didn't like as much, because I'm like, uh, get it, get it back to Jesse and Celine only. <laughs> what are these old people doing in this movie? <laughs> but I'm ageist. I'm just putting that out there. Um, no, I'm not. But, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's very, it feels very different because of that, that whole chunk of the movie at the gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because really, like, in the first... I mean, the second one, even more so than the first one, has barely like any no other people. It yeah. has, there's the waitress that brings them coffee. I think that's the yeah, only and like other maybe the, the, oh, the, the at the very beginning of the movie when they're at the uh, the book signing, mm-hmm. there's like a couple people talking. Yeah, maybe. and then we but we move on from that pretty quickly. There's the driver who barely says anything, mm-hmm. and then there's like the occasional like waiter that gives them stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. But this one, there's kind of a... I mean, you have the kids. You have, like, his... It's. I mean, it starts off with him and his son. Yeah. Who yeah. we've talked about in the... Who, who yeah, he is was mentioned in, in the... Before uh, Sunset. Yeah, in yeah. the second movie. Um, and he's all grown up. He is. It's crazy how time passes and children also grow up during that's true. that passage of time. Um, yeah, yeah, I really... I liked that scene with Ethan Hawke and his son at the beginning because it... It's another movie where Ethan Hawke is so Ethan Hawke right off the bat that it just made me really laugh. Um, he says, you going to play video games the whole flight or do you think you're going to crack a book? <laughs> it's the very first thing out of his mouth. And it's just so like exactly how I imagine Ethan Hawke parents his own children. 
Right? Well, that's the thing that me, because my brother and I talk about Ethan Hawke a lot. And, like, that's something we say all the time that he, like, has to be this, like, cool dad. But, like, I'm going to, like, tell it like it's like it is, son. Like, I'm going to give it, give it to you. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like his son, I feel like any Ethan Hawke kid kind of, like, hates him. You know what I mean? They're like, dad, mm. no. They have that vibe of, like, are they on good terms? Or, like, is he mad that he, like, left his mom for Celine? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's, like, he, he comes off as, like, he wants to be, like, the cool parent. But he's yeah. also really, like, constantly, like, doting on them. Like, mm-hmm. he's always being, like, oh, do you have... Uh, didn't you want to get the snack or whatever he's like asking him like oh you have everything you need like he's very kind of anxious yeah. about it mm-hmm. and the yeah. kid is just fine he's like it's not a big deal whatever yeah. well i um, think he also doesn't see his son very often you yeah, know so he wants yeah. to just make sure he's giving him as much as he can when he does see him yeah but it does feel pretty real like to yeah. what, a, what oh, totally a interaction would be like yeah 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 i think um talking about just getting back to ethan hawk and his actual children um uh recently they were they did an instagram live i can't remember if i talked about this but they did an instagram live where they all sang a song together and yeah if you want to check it out it's on maya hawk's instagram page (laughs) um but yeah it's it's very like their house looks just how you imagine it and the way they interact is just how you would imagine it Mm um like he's like razzing he's 11 to like sing and he's like i don't sing (laughs) (laughs) he's like yes you do you probably have a great voice give yourself a chance i think he said almost exactly that (laughs) (laughs) was he in front of like a book a bookshelf or something yeah definitely bookcase in the background that's the that's the and he has two young daughters like this true yeah yeah Yeah, because he has right he has kids with um uh a second yeah ryan okay yeah mm-hmm. who is he who is he with now is he still with that woman yes they're it? still together now okay mm-hmm. makes sense i mean yeah him and uma they kind of like went down in flames <laughs> yeah i don't feel like i know too much about the specifics yeah. of their breakup except for i think he uh i think he cheated on her with, yeah. with ryan and then now they're together and i believe that they're in an open relationship and maybe that works better for ethan hawk than being in a monogamous relationship yeah that's the that's the other thing about before midnight it's like ethan hawk so playing himself and you're so right about that first scene it's like and all the stuff they talk about with monogamy i'm like okay that's literally him in his real life totally yeah yeah crazy yeah do you want to um, oh, do we want to check the recorder just okay, to see? Okay, so we're going to check the recorder real quick because the last time we recorded with the guest, we lost all of the audio and it was really tragic. So this feels like a good point to just check real quick. Okay. Totally get right. that. Good. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully this um, won't end in tragedy this <sighs> week. Uh, I really believe in us. We, we've done this. We had done this. I don't know why it happened. We... Have recorded this with this setup like maybe four times before and then just last week whatever happened we like popped out the sd card and put it in and it was just like there's nothing there well it was the time before that because we re-recorded yeah the time before yeah. that we re-recorded but the, the last time so we have we, we have a, made it work since then yes but um, but only with ourselves not with, with a yeah, not with exactly. a laptop yeah. connection oh that's true yeah. yeah yeah that's so scary i think technology is so scary i know i yeah. agree it's it's just like 
you just can't be sure that it like works every time, you know? You yeah, don't know no. what's, what's going on in, in, in its head, you know? No, every time I send an email with an attachment, I'm like sweating like bullets. Like <laughs> the attachment attach and I like look at the email like 10 times to like <sighs> make sure it's good. <sighs> yeah, I don't know why emails are so anxiety inducing, you know? They're just like, mm-hmm. they're just scary. I, I'll, I'll reread my emails like 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I don't really have that problem so much because my, I mean, I send emails for my job now, but my last job before this one, we were very email heavy. Like all communication was through email. We'd like highlight people's names. We had like, everyone was on the email chain and we'd highlight people's names to let them know that it was like related to them, Mm -hmm. you know, just constant emailing. So I'm pretty comfortable with the email. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Once you do it enough, you get used to it. But I, I only email for like, you know. You know, when when I have to, basically. Yeah. yeah. When there's a gun to your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to email the person that's holding the gun to my head and be like, please stop. Please stop this. <laughs> and then they respond. They're like, oh, fine. <laughs> Regards, <Classic>. Jonathan Zavaletta. <laughs> yeah, and then they accidentally reply all. And then it's <laughs> tragic. Very tragic. I feel like Ethan Hawke doesn't send emails. He, like, sends, like, letters. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he'd send us a letter. <laughs> True. Yeah. One day. One day. Yeah. Well, my friend, I don't know if we're getting so off topic, but my uh, friend produced Ethan Hawke's movie, 10,000 Saints. Oh, cool. Where uh-huh. he plays another like quintessential dad. Like, come on, son. Like, uh-huh. give give your life a chance. Get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I like obviously freaked out about that. And I wonder if like he could set like I don't know. I'm like, could he send an email? You have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I think it's gonna happen. I it's gotta. It I feel yeah. it. We're gonna be we're gonna be in this quarantine situation for a while. Oh so. yeah. He's 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 so bored. He's yeah. so he, he only, needs to be yeah. constantly stimulated by like work. He likes working. You he know? likes to work. He can only do so many videos singing with his kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, he went outside and he, like, uh, recited Shakespeare out in the woods outside his house, you know? Like, yeah, he could just do that on our podcast. He can. We'd love to hear him recite yeah. Shakespeare to us. He's done Hamlet. He's done Macbeth. You know, when's he going to be old and do King Lear? We could do that. Oh, on yeah. the, I could play Cordelia. Like, we'll do it on the show. Do the whole thing. Yeah. I love that. Or we could just do some sonnets, you know? Some sonnets, Yeah. I love that. I have a sonnet on my wall and like my boyfriend like read it out loud the other night and I was like, what are you quoting? (laughs) (laughs) Like that's beautiful. And he was like, you have a sonnet on your wall. (laughs) I was like, oh, right, right, right. That's from when I went to the globe. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. Oh, that's fun. Well, I got to recommend to you then that this Shakespeare Uncovered. I don't know if you know this series, but it's a PBS series. It's all on Canopy if you have a library card. Um, and uh, actors kind of do a deep dive on an individual Shakespeare play and like how they would go about playing the character. And so Ethan Hawke did one about Macbeth. Okay, love that. I'll yeah. look that up. I'll cool. look that up. I would love to hear his insight. Yeah, everyone plays it so differently. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I just watched the 1996 Romeo and Juliet, and it, it's, like, so close to my heart. I was like, no, they're doing it exactly right. And the, the person I was watching it with was like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Romeo plus, plus Juliet? Juliet. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How has 
has Ethan Hawke not done a Baz Luhrmann movie? Oh, oh yeah. I I don't know if maybe he's not I think Australian Ethan Hawke, enough. He's not Australian enough for one. Um, <laughs> I think one. maybe Ethan Hawke is like too like crunchy, realistic like too or something. Yeah, like he mm. he's very like yeah. rooted in the real world and like feeling authentic. You know, yes. not yeah. that they're and Baz Luhrmann is like so like other world, like kind of larger than life. Yeah. Um, totally. That's true. So I don't know if I, I really see Ethan Hawke fitting into that world, actually, unfortunately. Yeah, upon further thought. I mean, although, like, Claire Danes is really also similar acting mm-hmm. type as Ethan Hawke, they're both super, like, yeah, crunchy, earthy, like... From the everything. 90s. Yeah, everything's down here. They only wear blue jeans. <laughs> but <laughs> she's, like, somehow in that movie, which is so weird. And, like, it is interesting. He would st- he would stand out and it would either be a horrible thing for the film or like maybe help it because those movies are out of their minds. Yeah. But I see what you mean tonally. It would be weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it would be. I'm just imagining if Ethan Hawke had played Jay Gatsby <gasps> instead of Leo. <laughs> oh. That would be insane. I also feel that- like he's more of like a, of a, of a Nick, you know? Uh, yeah, he is more of a Nick for sure. Because Gatsby's got to be like, he's got to be like glamorous, you know? Mm-hmm. And Ethan Hawke's like, you, you know, he's wearing the blue jeans, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. True. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Although I will West say, like, what's so interesting about Ethan Hawke and his style and like, is like, like grunge in a weird way, like is glam because there's so much that goes into looking dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. And like... Courtney Love proves that. Like she spends <laughs> so much time looking like like perfecting that dirt chic look. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I feel like he's actually pretty cleaned up in Before Midnight. Yes. His hair is something we need to talk about. Okay. But his like he's shirt he's... is like He's wearing like a denim button-down shirt. Uh-huh. Did and he do like a French top, tuff? Did he have a French The top is a little happening? bit unbuttoned, which is fine. But uh-huh. then the bottom, it's like partially yeah. tucked in and then partially hanging out. Yeah. But not in like yeah. a not in like a tan France not way. Not in a like I'm a dad and I'm just chilling way. Yeah. Well, he is a dad and he is just chilling. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying it's, it's not the most put together. Yeah, but like it seemed like his clothes had gone through a washing machine somewhat recently more so than before sunrise for sure well before sunrise starts off with a turtleneck and that's pretty oh that's true yeah pretty chic pretty glam Mm -hmm. he he does look really chic like approaching someone on a train with like a burgundy turtleneck yeah (laughs) and like when she calls her a friend and she's like i'm not going to meet you i'm like yeah of course not someone with a burgundy turtleneck just asked you out <laughs> yeah i feel like just just wearing the turtleneck gives you enough confidence to to do it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah his outfit in before midnight is like leaves a lot to be desired like a dirty denim shirt half tucked like it's almost like he went through like a tornado or something <laughs> <laughs> his hair reminded me a lot of his hair from uh great expectations it was blonder yeah. than we've seen it in a long time, is mm-hmm. what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, uh, like, sun-kissed, but definitely not naturally, you know? <laughs> and I just wonder, in that haircut, too, it was, like, a little, it was, like, grown, he hadn't cut his hair in a while, Yeah, you know? It was a little bowl cut looking, like it was about to be a bowl cut, but not quite, yeah. 
It's just, yeah, very round and a little too long, but a weird length. I don't know. And a weird color. It was totally. odd. It's, it's totally like three quarters to a bowl cut. It's really weird. It's like, yeah, it's like if Justin Bieber cut his like original bowl cut with like <laughs> kitchen scissors. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very uneven. Yeah, and like, the facial, the facial hair. Yeah, that's true. We did Your do hair that. looks pretty even. Oh, thank you. We cut it ourselves. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Thank you. I'm just like letting my hair become like cult length, like. Yeah. <laughs> hoping for the best. I think that's definitely a strong, a strong vibe. And I support that for you. Thank you. Yeah. I think Ethan would like it. It's dirty. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's of the earth. I'm going to do like a summer solstice like performance. I feel like he, <laughs> he would like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like looking at his like photos from Great Expectations now too, doing the side by side. Yeah, this would be like the before part of the early part of Great Expectations when he had that wig. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. when he fingers Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, yes. <laughs> when he's like young and has the wig. Ugh, Gwyneth. Yeah. I watched Contagion this week, so she's on my mind. Oh, nice! I haven't seen that movie since it was in theaters. It, I don't recommend it. Like, it's weird because it's exactly what's going on right now, except, like, they keep saying to, like, quarantine, and they, like, don't, but, like, they don't address it. It's, like, Matt Damon, like, running through the streets, like, constantly. <laughs> and I'm, like, you can avoid getting your daughter sick if you stay at home, Matt Damon. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then there wouldn't be a movie, so. Isn't yeah. there a part towards the end of that movie where, like, a boy wants to come, like, bring her, her his daughter out on a date? And, but they're all supposed to be inside or something or they're not ready to go outside. Or, I don't really remember, but. Oh, yeah. And he like tackles him down to the ground. Ugh. Like It's a lot. Like, it's also like weirdly like, I don't know. It's like kind of so protective. It like turned me on. I was like, I hope my husband's like Matt Damon in Contagion. Like, <laughs> I'm into this. He like, like quarterback tackled this like 17 year old Timothy Chalamet looking guy to the ground. <laughs> hot it was hot yeah um yeah you know who else is hot ethan, ethan hawk and before midnight <laughs> and a dad and a dad yeah the twins the twin yeah. girls let's talk about these yeah. twins they're so cute yeah, yeah i didn't even like realize they were twins until they started running and i was like <laughs> the same <laughs> there's two of them <laughs> I'm seeing double. Yeah, like the first time they introduced them, aren't the twins like asleep? Yeah. Like, he gets back in the car yeah. and he's dropped Hank off at the gate and then he and then the girls are asleep in the back and Julie Delpy's like making a phone call. Yeah. 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 And it's like I remember being like, I need to see these kids' face because it was covered by like luxurious, like blonde curls. <sighs> Beautiful French blonde hair. Love right. It. And I was like, I wanna know what Ethan Hawk and uh Julie, I always pronounce her name wrong. Julie Delpy. Delpy. Yeah, her. <laughs> what they look like <laughs> together. Because I think the casting of children is like Im- really important. Mm-hmm, I agree. It's true. Yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with these kids. They they look like, like they would be their children. Yeah, I agree. The hair is like almost a little creepy though. It's almost like a little... <laughs> like a little... <laughs> too long and a little too blonde it's like kind of midsummer vibe yeah right 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 especially when there's two of them yeah 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 i feel like the cuter the kid if they have a twin the creepier it becomes oh yeah 
Yes. So if they're not a cute kid and they have a twin, it's fine. It's fine. I agree with that. But if they're very cute and they have a twin, you got to be the right age too. You got to be like, you know, like shining basically. Mm -hmm. The shining. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. They're not. No offense to any cute. I just want to put full disclosure to any real shining heads that are listening to this. We know that I know that they're not twins. They are sisters. And I just don't want to be attacked for that. Yeah. Real shining heads will uh, Will freak out. Yeah. Flames for days. Okay. Yeah. To those people, I say, you know, whatever. It's not like addressed in the movie. No, it's in the book. Yeah, but we I watched the movie. I didn't I read know. it. If I wanted to watch a faithful adaptation of something, I would not be watching a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah. That's what I'll Yeah. Say. Amen. He is notorious for his his like deviations. You know, yeah. His like, re- his reimagining. Yeah. yeah that's uh, a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um Stephen King uh notoriously hates uh-huh. Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And then tried to like make his own and it was a snooze fest. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Kubrick has to take risks. Also, you know, to uh, Linklater's imagination, like, I wonder why he thought that Celine and Jesse should have twins. That's, like, a big choice. Yeah, I thought um, it felt like, I don't know if what came first, like, the, the concept of them having twins or, like, maybe that line later on. There's a scene where they're all at the table with the other uh, people that are living in this Greek villa. And um, and she Julie Delpy says, Celine says, uh, you know, the first time we don't have a condom, poof, pregnant with twins. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. that feels like something yeah. that maybe, I don't know, in the writing process, because, you know, all three of them write these movies together. Right. So that in the writing process, maybe it's just something that like one of them said. It's kind and of then, sounded more yeah. like. It yeah. sounded like funny, like in an improv scene, but then like when it actually happened and they have these like shining looking blonde <laughs> girls <laughs> running through a field, they're like, is this the right choice? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind but, of like, it kind of, now that I think, it kind of makes me think of like, because uh, they don't, the kids barely, the little girls barely say anything. Yeah. It kind of makes me think of like in uh, Inception when he like sees his his like beautiful kids and like in like a dream state. Oh, uh-huh. that they're like not even really there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, maybe that's a metaphor for like uh, Jesse's like ego. Like he doesn't even see his kids because <laughs> so big. Like they're not even like real to him. They're just like an extension of him. <laughs> Yeah, well, one I thing know. I was thinking is, like, I feel like it's, like, better for children of Jesse and Celine to have, like, a sibling, someone that they could, like, Probably. occupy their time with. So Probably. that, yeah. like, how stressful would it be to be the only child of Jesse and yeah, Celine? I feel like... That's a great point. That is a really good point. Like, my parents are kind of like Jesse and Celine in the sense of, like, they're so in love and, like, are very, like, you know, active, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, if I didn't have siblings to be, like, okay, mom just walked down the stairs in, like, lingerie and, like, beckoned dad into the room, like, I don't know what I would have done. I would have just stood there, like, is this okay? (laughs) So, yeah, it's good. It's good they have a sibling. It's definitely good. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah so we kind of get to catch up on what julie uh celine and jesse have been doing in the last nine years um celine is still doing her like environmentalist thing whatever Mm -hmm. she was doing the last time but she's talking about leaving that job to take a government job um and then they you know they they bicker about it this is the beginning of what will be an hour and a half of of bickering yeah 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 um and then yeah. she tells this story about how her father would kill all of the kittens. <laughs> it was such an unhinged story. Yeah. Because like, she thought so that dark. her cat had exactly two kittens every time. But then yeah. when she grew up, she was talking to her dad was saying how how tragic it was that he had to kill all those cats. Yeah. Yeah. It's very French. Like mm-hmm. all of her analogies or like antidotes from all three films are always like people die. Like no big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, every story she tells is like bone chilling. I I don't know. It's yeah, definitely I feel like, like during that pinball scene in the first one when she's talking about how she wants she her boyfriend thought she was crazy and it was because she had like threatened to kill him or something. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, like everything she says, like well, something that like I really do think fuels their fights and they say it. She says it at one point in Before Midnight, like, oh, I'm married to like a 12-year-old American boy. Mm. And I feel like it's like Jesse's American idealism and like spunk and charisma often like rubs her the wrong way because like she's so like dark and like it's not that simple. And like I'm being unhappy is like part of like life and – I feel like that's like totally a theme in her character, like the darkness versus the lightness of Jesse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I feel like their personalities over this period of time have like sort of converged a little. They've become more similar. I mean, I think because like they've been together for so long mm-hmm. that their personalities have become more similar to each other. Because in the first one, it's like this, the whole thing is like, oh, I'm American and you're French. Isn't this fun? Mm-hmm. And then the second one, they're sort of, They've both had like many relationships by the time of the second one, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that they're kind of more, they've aged and they've gotten more similar in that sense that they've had several failed relationships each. Yeah, Yeah. now they're a little bit more like each other um, in a way that sort of leads to them fighting, I guess. I kind of felt like everything that they said while they were fighting, like every time they would start a conversation or like a topic, like they had they knew it it felt to me like they knew in their head exactly what the other per- how the other person would respond to it yeah and yeah. like they were intentionally like intentionally goading the other person like baiting them to to fall into this fight with with them and right. they both oh, yeah. did it you know and i think it's because they know each other so well that they're able to like guide you know guide the fight in Push the way buttons. yeah yeah exactly. yeah I think that's really smart in the writing process, something they must have really worked on because like, especially the ages that like uh, Julie and Ethan are and Richard Linklater, it's like they all have been through those like long term kind of marriage like relationships where you know exactly what to say to like start the fight of the century. Mm -hmm. If you want to go there, like you can go there like zero to 100. And I feel like that really like reflects super realistically. And also like the vibe of like laughing during a fight because sometimes fights are like ridiculous. Like I do think they have moments of like, this is insane. And then they like go back to the fight or like they like comment on the fight, which I think is more realistic than movies usually have fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you like when you listen to a fight, and I think this movie kind of captured it, 
the sense that like the you're always saying you're always responding to like what you think the other person like what you want them to be saying mm-hmm. not what yeah. they might actually be saying so totally. like a lot of times arguments will be like 10 minutes of basically just repeating the same thing and it like not getting through that they're saying different things yeah and i thought that like whenever they argued it was kind of like a similar had a similar energy in that sense yeah i agree with that felt very real the fighting <laughs> that's awesome very fun for actors fighting scenes are very fun i feel like they might have had more fun doing this one than like maybe even uh before sunset i don't know mm-hmm. all right either of them like it's just like because yeah in the second film too they're so on the same page do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like they're so like oh we're both kind of like in this weird stage in our lives and like we're unsure but we're so attracted to each other and in this one it's so like there's so much more even though in the second one like ethan's character has like a son and like a relationship he still seems like so not into that whereas like in this one it just seems like they really do have like differing feelings that are like gonna clash even though i guess in theory there should be less conflict than leaving your wife and child you know yeah but it's interesting that that like continues to serve as a point of conflict for them because she's yeah. kind of like Julie Delby's co- kind of constantly like saying that like she'll interpret the things that Ethan Hawke is saying as like you're blaming me, mm-hmm. but it's this like was for like the end of your marriage. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. But this was like your decision, basically. Uh, like especially yeah. as it relates to like his relationship with his son, and I think that goes to like what I was saying before about uh, them interpreting what they want to interpret from the conversation because one of the major fights that they're having is that he wants to be able to spend more time with his son and she's like i don't want to go to america um and she's kind of like i don't want to have to deal with she doesn't want to have to deal with ethan ox ex-wife who she thinks is just terrible um and he's like he's he's like a little more defensive of her yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Probably because he's so guilty. What was that? Probably because he's so guilty. Like, even, like, he feels like he has to defend her because he hurt her. Yeah. And I think, you know, when the way he talked about her in the second movie, he says, like, he never, we talked about this before, but he never, like, really says anything disparaging about her. Mm-hmm. All he says, really, is that, like, he's just not happy with this and, like, they're just on different tracks or whatever. But, like, the whole time he doesn't say anything in that movie. He doesn't say anything negative about her at all, really. Just that they're, like, not compatible anymore. Which is so Ethan Hawke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I have love for her. Like, there's nothing wrong with her. She's a great girl. But I'm, I'm out. I'm out on it. Like, you I'm know, we're just back. on two different ships that are passing in the night on separate journeys. You know? Yeah. So, so Ethan. Yeah. The vibe. And also, like, you know, he loves his son so much. And, like, that's the mother of his son. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's more complicated than just how he feels about her. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that that is such a big conflict that like can almost never be resolved. Like you can be 80 years old and that topic will still be relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like one of their big their big fights that they're having. Yeah. And then the other thing has to do with like her taking this job. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and jog my memory like why doesn't he want her to take the job? 
Um, because she's like complained about this particular job. You know, this job's kind of been on the table for her for a while, I think. And she's always like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. I hate this guy. He's like an asshole. I don't want to work for him. But now she's like so frustrated with the way that her like environmentalist lobbying job is going. You know, like nothing is really getting pushed through. No laws are being passed. Nothing consequential. So she feels like she should just take this government job so she could actually get something done. But he thinks it's like selling out, basically. Yeah, because yeah, my understanding is that the guy that she was working for at the organization for a long time, he went to the government job and he mm. sort of offered her like, you can come with me, like you can work here as well. And Ethan Ock was sort of saying, he's like you said, he's an asshole, like you shouldn't do it. But she's saying, oh, maybe we can do something, you know, mm-hmm. so... And also, so Ethan Hawke to be like, you're selling out. <laughs> that like, should be like on his tombstone. Like, Ethan, don't sell out Hawke. <laughs> totally. Love it. Love it. Yeah. One thing I really liked um, was, so when they get to the house, which is like beautiful and looks like Elio's house from Call Me By Your Name or something. True, yeah. yeah. Except uh, in Greece, Greece instead, instead of, of Italy. Italy. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so he's talking with like the men and the women like split off during this time. You know, yeah, all the men are sitting yeah. around talking about Ethan Hawke's new book idea and the women are in the kitchen making dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so Ethan Hawke is talking about his new idea, which is about a group of people with different brain abnormalities. So like there's a woman that always feels like she's had deja vu and another woman who feels like she um that really remembers everyone's face and then another person who doesn't even recognize his own face and all of these different um brain abnormalities and then uh one of the guys stefano says i don't know it sounds a little pretentious to me and even hawk (laughs) says no it's gonna be funny and i (laughs) i have put that down as my most ethan hawk line of the movie yeah that's good because he goes on to describe uh like one of the like this kind of like harrowing thing that one of the characters will experience and then the guy the other guy's like and that's funny (laughs) yeah oh the other thing about it that was that was pretty funny to me was um every character is going to come into contact in some way with the movie on the waterfront and that's what connects all of them yeah and i was like that's so ethan hawk of course he loves kazan you know yes of course of course. Well, also that whole like idea of a movie like or a book like that being funny reminds me of like The Lobster. Like, is he the oh, next yeah. Yorgos or however <laughs> you pronounce that? Like, yeah. yeah maybe, yeah, he's onto something. That's kind of in vogue. Mm-hmm. I think this book would do well. I think it would do. Yeah, I could see it working. Yeah. I, yeah. And like be adapted into a movie and then Jesse and Celine have movie money. Oh, and then maybe he could split more time between Chicago and Paris. Yeah, true. Yes. Also, like it's so crazy to me to think of like an American living in Paris like for that long. Like he probably feels like, even though he's so worldly, I'm sure he feels like out of place. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why he's got to wear the denim shirts. Yeah, so you can remember that he's really American. Yeah, and talk about on the waterfront at any mm-hmm. any possible chance you can. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Ethan Hawke, especially. I mean, because you know this is something we've talked about a few times. Jesse is clearly like very much of Ethan Hawke and Richard Linklater, but um, like the talk about those two, like very American, you know, people. Like he's yeah. you know from Texas yeah. and New York, and just like just very American. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wait, because, uh, yeah, Richard Linklater's from Texas, but where's Ethan Hawke from? He's, He's from also from Austin. Oh, from Austin. Oh, yeah. Of and then he, and he moved to New York. And so he lives, he lives in New York. Yeah. Nice. I think that like the, the, the entire idea of like the before movies, like it does feel, cause there's like, you know, something romantic, like to an American about the idea of being in like a European city. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's totally. kind of like an extension of that. Americanness. Yeah. Totally, because, like, uh, the whole concept of before, like, came from, like, Linklater having some interaction with a girl on a train, but that was, like, set, that was in America in actuality, but to make it enticing to audiences all over, you know, to make it this kind of, to make it more elevated, if you just put it in a European city, suddenly it's sexy, it's not meeting someone on a train, like, at, like, you know, Port Authority in, like, Pittsburgh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's hot now, it has that... <laughs> That call me by your name sexiness. As long as it's not an Amtrak, then it becomes romantic. And it becomes hot. Yeah, Yeah. trains trains are so hot unless it's an Amtrak. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. Yeah, the the American aspect of the movies is true. I wonder like how European audiences view the film because obviously Julie's like a big French star. She's one of their Mm -hmm. biggest stars. But the movie does feel a little bit like um, American tourist porn. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually, um, I'm in a Facebook group that's like before sunrise, before sunset, <laughs> before midnight fans, just so that I could keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on with the before community. And um, I feel like most um, most of the members of the group are either American or like Indian, like South Asian. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's just a before series is really big in India. I love that. Yeah. Well, India is a very romantic country. Like Bollywood films are so romantic. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Well, I gotta get on this Facebook group. You do. <laughs> it's just like constant, like you know, people just doing screenshots of the, them sitting in the train. Yeah, I feel like my my first exposure to like the before movies was like had to have been on Tumblr. Oh yeah. Because like I for sure have seen a gift set where it's like oh it, yeah he's like Ethan's doing the thing where he has like his hand and he's like trying to brush her hair out of her face uh-huh. and then the second one is from the other movie where, where she's, she's doing, doing the same him. thing yeah and you're like damn that's love right yeah that's Ooh, love. that is love yeah especially on tumblr i agree with you that like i had seen the movie i had seen the first movie with my parents when i was really young and it like went a little over my head because i was like because i also had just seen titanic so i was like if they're not naked i'm out <laughs> <laughs> like what is this laying in the park thing i can't see anything and like i when i got onto tumblr like in ninth grade and i saw all of the little like uh gifs or gifs or whatever of them on the train i was like okay this movie's hot like i need to get back <laughs> into it. i need to get back into it yeah, yeah. it's it does seem like a uh, i i wouldn't be interested in it as a kid for sure i'd be like this is boring yeah yeah i don't know i i'm I might have. I might have. I don't know. I never saw it until. It's because you're an only child. It's because I'm an only child. Yeah, yeah. that's you why can, I you like. You can stay engaged for. Oh yeah. For two hours watching two people talk. Me. Yeah. Explosions, or I'm out. <laughs> I'm going back outside, and I'm throwing sticks at my friends. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. yeah, Training Day is your favorite Ethan Hawke movie. Exactly. There you go. Oh my God, that's my boyfriend's favorite Ethan Hawke movie too. <laughs> that's such a classic. Uh, Before Sunrise is my favorite. So. Oh yeah, I mean that's a hard that's a hard question. Yeah, I feel like I think I told you guys that like 
probably before midnight or before sunrise mm-hmm. or like I don't know I do like weirdly like great expectations I think it's <laughs> insane and I'm like, oh, I could watch this a few times. That's fun. Yeah, you're not the only person who said great expectations. Just so you know, you're not alone. There are others. Good. Gwyneth Paltrow in it is just so, like, I find Gwyneth Paltrow fascinating. So mm-hmm. she's on screen. I'm like, what? How is this person real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially when she's the Spanish substitute in Glee. Oh, God. A truly fascinating era of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um,. <laughs> so she was teaching Spanish. Yeah, that's funny. None of my none of my um, Spanish teachers in high school were from Latin America. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty common. Yeah, I had one that was oh. from. My first one was from Spain, España, uh, uh, Mister Garcia Centes, who everyone <laughs> like had the hots for. Uh huh. How Love could it. you not? Um, and the other two, one was like I think from the Philippines, and like one of the, one at least one of them had like learned Spanish like in high school, like they didn't, they weren't like exposed to it. They learned it in high school, so it's so not related. But anyway, it's it is a little related. <laughs> <laughs> if we talk about see, it, it's related. <laughs> I could see Ethan Hawke as like a Spanish teacher, like because he is that like white american guy who's like i can pick up any language <laughs> i understand a culture actually my wife is from guatemala like that's <laughs> so him yeah i i mean i did lose my mind though when we were watching um i think it's i i mean it's unfortunate that we haven't seen him speak french in any of these movies but right? in um woman in the fifth the movie opens with him speaking in French and it's like the funniest thing I've ever heard. I lo- bless him, bless his heart, but his French is very American. A, yeah, I've seen a clip of that. And I I don't know why, but just an isolated clip of Ethan Hawke speaking French. Maybe I Googled that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, let's, uh, what were we talking about with this movie? The fights. We were talking about oh, the fights yeah. a lot, yeah, which comes a little bit later. Mm-hmm. The big fight is like near the end, basically. Yeah. At the hotel, right? At the hotel, yes. yeah. All right, we can talk about the hotel. Um, yeah, so they go to this hotel that like the, the other middle-aged couple has like gotten them as a gift. Like, they yeah. stay there and like a couple's massage and a bottle of wine. Um. And I think it's really funny how how quickly like Celine turns on, on that whole gesture. Yeah. You know, because at first she's like, "Oh, this is so nice. It was like great of them to do this for us. We have to get them a gift." But then, as they start fighting, like then she's just kind of, you know, getting angry at everything, including them, saying like, "What's this room? You know, I thought we were gonna stay at like a real Greek place, and yeah. you know, and wine and a couple's massage. What is that? That's disgusting. You know." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That like, uh, Celine just reminds me so much of my mom. I feel like the listeners are gonna be like, "We don't care about your mom." <laughs> 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 but like, there is like a type of woman that just leads with her temper and her impulse, mm-hmm. and it is this class. It's almost like a caricature of a woman. And like, I feel like Celine talks about it a lot in like the first film about like the difference between men and women. And I feel like a lot of the a lot of the time in the movies, again, they're trying to juxtapose like the male kind of like hands offness versus the female. Like, I fucking hate this with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I will like slit my wrists on this hotel bed to prove a point. Like, 
And that's like the energy she brings to that fight. Like the fact, like how disgusted she is with everything. Yeah, even the hotel gesture, she becomes like disgusted with it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. One other moment before they even get into their hotel room when they're like checking in at the lobby. Um, one of the hotel concierges brings up her copies of the books at, oh, that yeah. Ethan Hawke had written. Yeah. Um, just I'm just going to say the names of them because I wrote them down. The first one was called This Time and the second one was called That Time. Yeah. <sighs> no. Love I love him. This Time, That Time. No, I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like analyze this, analyze that. I mean, it's like basically the f- the same as before sunrise and before yeah, sunset. Yeah, but before though. sunrise has I mean, like it's a better. ring to it. Yeah, yeah. This time, this time, I'll be bulletproof. Oh, so yeah. true. It sounds very YA as well. Who? Like by Meg Cabot. Uh, yeah, <sighs> I love Meg Cabot. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I actually have a. Uh, it's like. Yeah, Dash with Lily's book and dare book of dares, and then after it, the sequel was the Twelve Days of Dash and Lily. Just to, yeah, I love YA novel names; they're so good. Me too. Yeah, they're good. Or like, uh, what's the, what's the famous Judy Bloom one about sex? Seventeen. Forever, dot dot dot. Oh, uh, is it forever? It might be the I truth like about is it? No, the truth about forever is by Sarah Dessen. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think it's just forever, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I think it's forever, but there's a dot, 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 and I was like, only a YA book yeah. would do that. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Obsessed. Wow, that was a wild book. I remember that's when all my friends and I like learned about sex in the eighth grade when we read that book. (laughs) It it is a wild book, and you like really, like, it also is such a cautionary tale, too, because it's like, yeah. yeah. Even when you lose your virginity, girls, like, it might be beautiful, but that won't last. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone gets VD. Yes, VD. Oh, my God. I was like, (laughs) I remember being, because, like, they had already changed the term to STD. So Mm -hmm. I was like, VD? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely had to, like, use context clues for that one. I was confused. (laughs) Me too. I was like, "Uh, uh, I think this means herpes. I don't know. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we think that Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are going to get it on in this hotel yeah. room. Yeah. They, yeah. They start. He's like uh, he like un- unties the top of her dress um, and he's just really goes in on, on those those titties. <laughs> <laughs> As he should. Those are beautiful titties. Yeah. Beautiful tits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then that then she gets a phone call from his son Hank like letting her know that he landed in London okay but he's like you know transferring uh whatever over to connecting to the other flight and then Ethan Hawke like, like reaches out his hand like he wants to talk to him yeah. and then she just ignores him and she's like okay sweetie bye and hangs up and it's you know turns into it just it just starts everything and this is the second time that she had done it in the, in the day too yeah 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 and he's just like why won't you let me yeah talk to him yeah that's such a power move like when someone asks to talk on the phone and you're like no like (laughs) (laughs) it's such a like fucked up little bratty thing to do yeah and i think also you know where his head's at right now he's really thinking a lot about his son and what's going on with the fact that he doesn't see him that much and so like to him even this like small 
thing of like saying hi on the phone, even though he's going to have to hang up immediately, is much more important to him than it is to Celine, who's like, right. why do you care? He has to hang up like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the other yeah. thing that, that sets him off is when she is she mentions like, oh, good luck with your mom or something. Oh, yeah. And then he gets pissed off about that. He's like, what? Oh, am I too far? Yeah, you're too far. Right? He's like, why Like, why would you say that? Like, there's no need to, like, make any tension between us or whatever. And she's like, yeah. oh, it's, he's, he's, like he she, she's it. basically saying, like, if, if she makes a joke, mm-hmm. it'll diffuse the tension more than just, like, pretending that it's not an issue. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's, like, so, like, I feel like that moment's really realistic because it's those little, like, comments that, like, just some people, they think they're, like, improving the situation by being lighthearted, where some people take that as, like, a sad to the heart. Like, that's such a human thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Poor Hank. <laughs> I feel bad for the son. I feel like he's is he's in a weird spot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I feel like he's... He, he seems, seems to be like taking pretty it okay, well adjusted. Yeah. You know, like he gets the situation. Yeah. He's just trying to make the best of it. You know, totally. he just doesn't want Ethan Hawke and his mom to be in the same room at the same time because it's worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he he likes being with Jesse and Celine too. But, you know, he yeah. also lives like I think he just, you know, he I think he maybe is he's less emotional and like gets the players of this game better totally. than they get each other. Yeah, that's true. And that's very, like, how, like, children are with their parents a lot of the time. Like, they get it more than their parents do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of emotional maturity to him. Yeah. Hats off. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kids. Yeah. Oh, one thing we find out in this movie is that uh, Jesse and Celine aren't married, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I almost I was, forgot about that. I did too. I was kind of shocked. I mean, I guess it makes sense because I don't know. He was like spurned by his first marriage and like has had this horrible time post divorce with her. So I would understand not wanting to get married. And also, I'm sure it's not important to Celine. Like, it just seems like yeah. something she wouldn't care about. Yeah. I think it's just because he's, because they say like, I don't know why they want us to be married so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, again, a, parrots not understanding the way kids are but um but yeah yeah because yeah. it just seems like like not a priority for them mm-hmm. and that's also just so ethan hawk like we don't need a marriage <laughs> we don't need a marriage to prove anything like i feel like that discussion between link later and hawk and like julie was so like yeah of course like that's so us yeah like yeah it was a no-brainer but it is interesting because like like I do feel like as like modern as they both are and like as French as Celine is like I'm sure in a weird way it does get to her like that his first wife was official Mm -hmm. and their relationship isn't like even if she would never like really like push for it it's still like I don't know there's something to that yeah totally it's just like a big love with uh, his first yes. wife, Jean Triplehorn, mm, hot. 
Um, Love her. And his second wife, uh, Chloe Sevigny, you know, she was raised in, uh, you know, the li- the polygamous lifestyle. The and she understands wife. that, like, only the first wife is legally married and every other wife is, you know, spiritually but not legally married. But then later on in the show, it becomes very important to her to be legally married to him. Totally. I also love the show Big Love. I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> wow. I just, I just watched all five seasons, like, this month. Oh, really? So you hadn't watched it before? No, I hadn't. I think I'd watched the first season like in high school or something. But I, yeah, I just watched all of it. And I I would just, I can't believe it's I over. Watched, I watched it as a kid. And like, that's like a show that like held my interest. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is fascinating. Like, yeah. And I love Chloe Seventy. I'm like, oh, she's like, she's like my dream. Like getting discovered in like Washington Square Park. <laughs> For, like, having a shaved head and wearing, like, skater clothes. And then she has, like, an amazing career. Yeah. Obsessed. She's incredible. They're all great on that show. Yeah. Really good cast. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the fight, you know? The The fight. fight, The fight, yeah. Um, Do you want to do your favorite line, Jonathan? I think I know what it is. (laughs) You are the fucking mayor of Crazy Town. (laughs) Yes. That might be be my favorite too. Like when he's just telling her how crazy she is all the time. Like Mm -hmm. no one would put up with you. Like Yeah. Yeah. When he says man, he says, I wish you would find the time. You somehow find the time to complain eight hours a day. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) So fucked. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. He really goes for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that that line is great. Like and that's also just like so like it could be so cheesy being delivered by like anyone else, but like Ethan Hawke pulls it off. Totally. Yeah, and I feel like also that's just like one of those things where like you're trying to say something cutting and like it's the only thing you can think of, mm-hmm. like the mayor of Crazy Town, like it's just I mean it works, you know, but yeah. it's just like when you're in the heat of the moment, sometimes you just say these kind of like random things that that might sound silly later. Totally. But, like yeah, one time, good. one time a guy told me when he was breaking up with me, I feel like you were cast in like my pilot and it's like seven seasons later. And I'm like, do I have to be married to her? Oh my God. <laughs> like, uh, what? You're using like a TV reference to dump me? That hurts. But also like, that's horrible. He's like, yeah, it's like King of Queens. I was like, no, it's not. Like this is what? our lives. Yeah, I'll put it in a script or something. Yeah, you, you have to. I know, totally insane. Wow, that is a crazy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Taken aback. I've brought it up a lot this week. It's been on my mind. Like every, <laughs> every Zoom call I have, I'm like, do you want to know something someone once said to me? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just have a lot of time to just like dwell on our past. Yeah. Totally, totally. Very philosophical time. I think Ethan Hawke probably likes all this time to think. I think he does like the time to think, but I think he likes working more. Yeah, I think he likes being around other people, especially. Mm -hmm. Right. He's totally an extrovert. He's very extroverted. Yeah, and he was supposed to be getting ready to shoot his next movie that he was going to direct this year. So, yeah. Sad. What was that movie about? Um, it's called Camino Real. It's based on a Tennessee Williams play, naturally. Uh, his his great great grandfather, Tennessee Williams, or whatever. 
Uh, oh my god, does he claim to be related? Are they really related? Yeah, they are related, and he's related to Laura Dern through Tennessee Williams as well. Uh, it's my favorite thing I've learned doing this podcast, honestly. Truly insane. Yeah, like what a family. Also, like that no, I don't know, no famous people are famous, like, you know, because they're on their own. On their own. It's just because th- their great great grandfather was Tennessee Williams, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Totally. I was just talking about like Zoe Kazan and I was like, yeah, well, her like grandfather is like Ilya Kazan. So like it wasn't hard for her. And people are like, okay, you're taking this really personally. I'm just like, I could have been in plot against America. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like every time there's a, like a, a hot new famous person, I'm, I, I'm always like, oh, that's so cool. And then I'm like, oh, they are really related. Like the daughter, you know, like Margaret Qualley. Yeah, Margaret Qualley, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. I always talk about that. Yeah. Andy McDowell's daughter, right? Yeah. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, Maya Hawk, though. We love you, Maya. Come on the show. Yeah, we love you, Maya. Maya, even if your parents weren't your parents, you'd be, yeah. famous. You'd be famous to me. She would. She really would. Her, uh... Yeah, um, she did a she did an interview like a quarantine interview with Nylon. She was on the cover of Nylon this week, I think. It's of course. So Maya Hawk. Oh my god. Well, you know the other weird thing about Maya Hawk that I talk about a lot, and I would love to hear your guys's opinion on it. What is up with her accent? Can we talk about it? Like she talks like in this weird affected tone. Yeah. That's, like, old-fashioned but sort of like <laughs> worldly like it's it's weird yeah i think um i think she talks a lot like uma thurman I, yeah her voice is very similar to uma thurman's i was thinking this when we watched um gattaca because probably when we had when we watched gattaca it was like right after season three of stranger things so maya hawk was pretty fresh for me and then we were watching gattaca and i was like oh my gosh it's Maya Hawk is both of these people in front of me in this one movie. Yeah, yeah. I, think yeah she... I didn't. I didn't watch Stranger Things, so I I don't really have that much of a frame of reference for mm-hmm. Maya Hawk. Yeah, you just saw that yeah. one scene in Once Upon a Time. I did. Right. The yeah. Cult, she, the cult girls. She's yeah. She's in the car. They're gonna. Oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Once. Sorry. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I was thinking like Once Upon a Time, the show about like oh, the mythical no, no, whatever. No, no, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Once upon a time, with yeah. Jennifer Goodwin from Big from Love, Big it's all connected. Yes, yes, yes. Once upon connected. a time in Hollywood. Once yeah. upon a time, dot dot dot. In, ho- in yeah. Hollywood. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Such, a, such a great way for a title to function. But yeah, like <laughs> Uma Thurman is American, right? I think so. But she does give. She off has this a voice like, too, like, and she has a peculiar accent. It's. I wonder what that is. Maybe they're raised by like actors and they have like a transatlantic yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's we gotta really... bring that back <laughs> it's time it's time for it's the time to bring we'll back. all just cultivate it on our zoom calls everyone around the world will yes. work on their transatlantic accents yeah I, I would like love that like i'm not gonna lie i've been trying to study the transatlantic accent <laughs> <laughs> like, start talking like a i'll just start talking like a baseball uh like announcer on on mm-hmm. zoom calls yes yes i'll start talking like katherine hepburn mm-hmm. love it uh uma thurman is american she was born in boston boston yeah. boston well, wouldn't have taken it for it yeah that's really interesting it's a lot of actors develop a little shtick with their voice to be unique mm-hmm. so maybe that's part of it 
Yeah. And then Maya Hawk was just raised that way, but like a weird combination yeah. of Uma and Ethan. Yes, totally. So kind yeah. of like down here, yeah. but also kind of like Airy. this. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then after this big fight in the hotel room, uh, uh, Julie Delpy, Celine, she storms out. Oh, but then she turns right back around and comes in and to fight with him some more. And yeah. then she finally leaves. Classic. Um, and then uh, after a while, he meets back up with her outside. She's like at a little outdoor cafe bar situation. Yeah, um, yeah which they had been to before because they had been they walked to the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, they passed by it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he. He does this really cute thing that I like a lot, even though I hate that I like this, where he pretends like he doesn't know her and like he's just hitting on her for the first time, which is kind of like exactly what she was asking for earlier in the movie when she was she asked him, you know, if we saw each other on the train today, would you still have talked to me? And so he's essentially doing that now. Yeah. Which is like my favorite line of the movie, even though she says it, it's not Hawk's line, but I love that because like. I'm very into like my own personal history because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone I date, I'm like, do you remember when we first met? Like, I like, I love like recounting those things, and I feel like that callback, even though it seems forced, is like realistic to someone like her. She would like want to bring that up, mm-hmm. and it's just cute. And it's like exactly what you're saying in that moment after the fight when he does that. That's him being like, I heard you. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It's sweet. Yeah, and then he says, um, I'm a time traveler, which is very funny if you've seen the movie Predestination. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, you got to put it on your on your watch list, your quarantine watch list. It's a real hoot. Um, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, Ethan Hawke plays a time traveler. <laughs> so there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. It wasn't just it wasn't just a bit he was doing no, to win re- back yeah. his wife. He really was. He really is. Um also I don't know if you're a succession fan, but Sarah yes. Snook is in predestination. Okay, I love so. it. I I am of course a succession fan. Yeah. Like I haven't seen it yet, but it is on my quarantine watch list. Definitely need to watch it. As like if someone from New York who grew up kind of around people like that i'm like it's like weirdly eerily like just like realistic and i my california friends were born and raised like la or san francisco area they watch it and they're like it's so insane like it's so outlandish (laughs) (laughs) i'm like no it's not no it's not at all (laughs) wow i can't wait yeah you'll enjoy yeah um so yeah so then he reads a letter to her from her 82 year old self and it's um, I like that it's actually like a, when you see it, it's actually a blank piece of paper. So he's just improving. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then she says, Jesse, can we stop this stupid game? We're not in one of your stories, which is like, damn. But but then she she goes for it. Yeah, but then she get, yeah, gets into it. And then uh, as they start, as she starts engaging in the game, the camera like pans out. And then we see the whole area, and that's the end of the and movie. And it's after midnight. And it is after midnight, yes. Yeah, so they had sat at that cafe earlier to watch the sunset. Yeah. And it's like a yeah. nice romantic moment. Yeah, that was cute. And she's like, still there, still there. And then yeah. when it goes Watching down, she's like, sun, gone. Yeah. That was cute. And then they come back after, like you said, after the big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that like that's kind of one of the... This movie is kind of different from the other 
two because the other two is like so dependent on them them like walking around and talking mm-hmm. yeah and then in this one okay we have in the beginning there's the airport they get in the car they go to this dinner they're at this dinner which is probably the thing in this movie that's the most unlike any of the other mm-hmm. movies that you have all these people talking and they're actually like talking they're not just like a person passing through um and then the part that's the most like the other two movies is they're walking from that dinner to their hotel um and they're walking through these like sort of like ruins it's kind of like field basically and even just the visual setting that they're walking through feels kind of unlike the other movies because other movies are very like focused on like the city that they're in Mm -hmm. but here they're walking through like a field and there's like goats and things like that and then they get into the town and then they're walking again they're still getting to where they're going um and again that's yeah this, that that feels the most like the other two movies yeah. but the big yeah. sort of scenes in this movie the hotel fight and the dinner and all that stuff those are pretty quite different from the other movies which is kind of an interesting uh choice yeah do you guys find that it was disappointing to see them kind of like change the uh i guess you'd say the i don't know the structure or the style mm-hmm. of the first two or was it refreshing to you guys i thought i thought it worked for me i you know it's good to because it it makes more sense if you're like a you know a couple that's been together for eight years and you're on a vacation with your kids like you're not really gonna have that same alone time that same yeah Yeah. like you know that freedom i think they mention it in the movie like you know once the last time we did this like before the girls were born you know so it's it it feels more it feels right for them to have had all of these like experiences with other people around them in this movie totally like they couldn't like the choices like when they were probably writing it like i feel like you only have two choices like to include these other people and the kids in the film or to do this thing where they're on vacation alone but that Mm -hmm. would be such a different movie and it probably would be just repetitive of the first two so yeah it's like it makes sense in their lives and it gives you a because i also feel like when you are obsessed with a couple like even like dare i say this but even like edward and bella it's Uh like don't you want to like know what their weird everyday life is like but like films don't often show that or, or the the story ends the cool thing about the before series is like the story never ends so you'll mm-hmm. keep find, finding out about them hopefully we'll have another movie in a few years but, yeah we'll see so there's like a lot of i don't think richard linklater wants to do it he said he like i one i don't think he wants us to like explain expect anything like he wants to surprise us with the next before movie (laughs) but two he said like if i if we did it maybe we'll do like an after series where they're old yeah that's what i was thinking like when they're really old yeah 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 so i feel like that's kind of likely and then also ethan hawk i mean you know these movies do are from all three of them it's not just like richard linklater saying yeah you know we're gonna right, do this now right. it's it's the three of them coming together and saying it's time for us to do this again so uh, ethan ethan hawk had said recently in an interview that he thought it would be fun if they did one where they were in quarantine together and it was just justine <laughs> celine bickering in quarantine Oh my god, I love that. I also, like, talking about all the European city aspects of it, I would really like to see one in America, just to see if that yeah. changes the vibe. 
me too like i don't know they're going to hank's college graduation yeah you know he goes to ut austin and he can walk <laughs> julie delpy around the old college town <laughs> or something you know what i mean that's I would cute. love that. Yeah. And just seeing like Celine interact with a bunch of Americans would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> and, you know, and also maybe we'd see the ex-wife if it was a college graduation situation. Oh, and yeah. it's probably pa- played by Patricia Arquette, you know, for being real. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. Of course. Wow. I would love halfway to writing this movie. Yeah, I think we should write it and then send it to Ethan Hawke and be like, what do you think? What do you think, old pal? <laughs> I am so down. I'm so down. I also have like a lot of uh, actor friends where I'm always talking about like, do you guys want to do like a fight scene in like a hotel and just improvise it? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, okay. I'm like, I'll pay for the hotel. I just like, <laughs> I want to, I want to do this. I want to do before midnight like for myself. But yeah, we're all hungry. We're hungry for another movie like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I feel like, you know, it still feels like a complete sort of. Oh, yeah. Like it's it can be done. Yeah. It's 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 come full circle, I feel like. And I feel like that ending is just kind of a nice because, you know, they're like, you know, that they're going to stick it out Mm -hmm. and like they still love each other and it's still romantic. But, you know, they've grown up and they had their fights and, you know. Yeah. 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 It does feel very complete. I feel like it's a great example of like a TV show that you don't know is going to get another season. Like they knew to like wrap it up and make it like it, if it has to stand on its own, it can. But we can also do them like when they're 80 in Austin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we have the choice to like if it comes to it. But yeah, it feels very complete. It feels like if we had to have just these three, it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think this movie has i think it was right to like make the to take it in the direction that that they decided to go in um even if it kind of reduces the um sort of romantic like mm-hmm. rewatchability of it because it is stressful to just like watch them fight it is stressful i was um, stressed and yeah. Yeah, but I think in terms of like the the story itself, I think it's it was the right the right way to go with the story. Totally. Yeah, it's it's yeah, like you don't want to rewatch like Blue Valentine a bunch of times. It's like it's kind of like that. It's like it's literally yeah, it's like a decay. It almost feels like a relationship decay movie, but the fact that like it doesn't decay, like they end on a positive note, it's kind of comforting and more realistic because I feel like couples do just have horrible weekends mm-hmm. and then they reco- they recover from it yeah 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 well jonathan do you have some oh well first i guess i could say uh roger ebert and a.o scott roger ebert of rogerebert.com and a.o scott of the new york times uh they both reviewed it four stars from roger ebert um a.o scott called it nearly perfect wow. so wow. they loved it uh they loved it. very well received yeah i think it has like a 98 percent right on rotten tomatoes that sounds right to me yeah, it's hard to think of another trilogy that works as well as this one. Mm-hmm. Because, so it's like consistently. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you have... I would still say that this is the weakest of the three. Yeah, I agree. But it's, you know, marginal. Like, it's 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 very it's a very strong movie on its own. Yeah. Um, 
in a way that most trilogies like you like take the original star wars trilogy like return is definitely the weakest um like the godfather i mean there are so many examples of right. movies where like the third toby toby mcguire spider-man uh-huh. the third <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, a lot of examples where the third installment kind of doesn't deliver or one of them doesn't deliver yeah totally and i think the third one now that we're thinking about it stands on its own the most almost like the second one is such a follow-up of the first mm-hmm. one mm-hmm and you like need that context so badly like it would be so weird to watch the second one separately but like you could almost stumble upon before midnight as somebody who doesn't know the before trilogy and be like i get this story of an older couple having issues i understand this yeah on this uh, like it intuitively i would agree but we had the guest for before for the middle before one sunset. who had not seen yeah, she didn't see before she hadn't sunrise seen the first, first one, and she like kind of she was able to like appreciate it and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow! In before sunset, they do actually have like a weird montage sequence that's like, right. a, here's what you right. missed yeah, yeah, on yeah. before, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I totally forgot about that. My one complaint about the second versus the third is, um, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong because I haven't watched Before Midnight in probably like four or five months, but like <laughs> I watch it every six months. Uh, but literally. <laughs> Literally, like, I don't think Celine plays the guitar in it, which... Oh, yeah. yeah, that's something she talks about. She's like, you know, like, yeah. uh, sometimes I want to be creative and I want to write, too, you know? It's not yeah. just you. Yeah. yeah, she's so talented. Like, I listen to the Before uh, Sunset soundtrack, like, every day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I saw that it was on your, um, your Bill Clinton swag meme. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song, like "Living Life" um, by what's her name, Kate something. Like, I love it so much. Is Do that the one they listen to in the record booth? The uh... no, okay. It's like I'm trying to think what moment it's played at, but it's like "Hold Me Like a Mother Would," like I always <laughs> knew somebody should. Yeah, like it's like so '90s and like mm-hmm. insane. Like, I'll send you guys the link or something, but it's every song on that album is just so, like, that time period of, like, or just, like, so Ethan Hawke, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, like, angsty and spoken word. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love that album. But, yeah, Julie's Julie's songs in particular are just very beautiful. Like, uh, what's it? Take this waltz. Or... Yeah, let me take, sing you a waltz or something. Da, da, yeah. Da, da. yeah that's it's, it. so com- it's so comforting. Yeah, it's a nice song. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Well, a great series, I would say. Yeah. Love these movies. Love these movies. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us now? Sure. Sure. It's time for a hawk fact. Uh, Miranda, would you like to try a hawk noise? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I loved it. All right. Well. So, in this movie, we learn the shocking revelation, I guess maybe not so shocking, that they're, uh, that they may not have been uh, totally faithful to each other oh. during this entire time. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and in previous Hawk facts, I've discussed the fact that um, Hawks are uh, monogamous and they mate for life. Um, but there's an interesting thing about um, birds or animals in general, uh, social monogamy, 
which is basically the idea that you uh, you might be messing around a little bit, but you've got your partner and you're sticking together. Oh yeah. Um. So this uh, this is actually so the uh, the specific term for this in science is extra pair copulation, which is basically like you know messing around uh-huh. um, in monogamous species, and it's very common. It's listed as being very common in birds. There's a Wikipedia article about extra pair copulation. The first section is about men and then women <laughs> and then birds. So that's <laughs> that's how that's how common it is. Um, and the interesting thing uh, actually about hawks is that they are the uh, extra pair copulation is less common in hawks than it is in some other birds. So they do tend to stick it out. Um, And I think part of it has to do with like the territorialness of uh, male hawks. And also apparently part of it has to do with the fact that they are, hawks are just boning all the time. So there's no time to mess around with someone else when you're just like having sex all the time. But apparently there's this study uh, from 2015 uh about the well the title of this paper is high frequency of extra pair paternity in an urban population of cooper's hawks so tells us what we always knew which Mm -hmm. is that urban hawks are loose (laughs) compared to uh um you know country hawks um so but there is uh there is a type of hawk uh, the Galapagos hawk, which is unique among hawks, that it uh, engages in cooperative polyandry. Mm. The males are entirely monogamous, but the females can mate with up to seven males throughout the nesting period. Dope. Like that. Yeah. So most hawks, um, pretty pretty monogamous, um, but the Galapagos hawks are living their own type of life and the way that they know if a hawk is faithful or not is they basically just like mori povich it they do like tests on like the dna test basically uh-huh. and see if like if this hawk is not from that um that uh the parent um and the reason for monogamy in hawks is or birds in general has to do with like just protecting the you just like get together and you protect your kids um for as long as possible I love that. I love like hearing this. I'm literally like, I hate when people talk about um, cheating and they're like, well, human beings are animals. Clearly, a lot of animals are super monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that's, I think, basically it. Um, that's this uh, nature.com, uh, galapagosconservation.org wikipedia always, always. <laughs> and uh researchgate.net um wonderful so yeah that's a good fact that was a great fact thank you jonathan mm-hmm. i feel like ethan would be like that's not me okay <laughs> 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 uh, he's yeah he's not about that life not in the movie not in real life <laughs> yeah 
and we love him for it. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. I love I love people who know themselves. I think that that's Jesse and Ethan Hawke. They really know themselves. Mm-hmm. Totally. Self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really powerful. Because how can you have a good relationship if you're not going to be honest with your own, like, behaviors and quirks and philosophies? That's so true. We stand true. a self-aware king. <laughs> we do. I stand it. I stand you, Ethan. Yeah. Um, well, this has been cool. I've been Harper. Okay. And uh, you can find me on the internet at Harping About on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. No, not Tumblr. I'm something else on Tumblr. That's for me to know and you yeah. to never find out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke. I've been enjoying, uh, there's this podcast called Hot and Bothered, which I feel like I've probably plugged here before, but they're doing a special Twilight and Quarantine series right now where they're reading Twilight for the first time and they're releasing an episode for each chapter. They put out the show three times a week and it's like only 20 minutes, but it's totally delightful. It like really kickstarts my day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I love it and I love the hosts of the show. So it's great. And I just love hearing people talk about Twilight. Um, nice. uh, yeah, I'm going to be listening to that. Also, I need to create my own Twilight podcast. That's, that's fun to do list. I really do. Yeah. Nice. Well, <sighs> let me know if you need a guest. I'm always happy to talk about Twilight. <laughs> I, I'm like so tempted to be like, okay, what's your favorite book? Tell me right now. But I'm like, we are so, I'm such a tangent person. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's so fine. Um, I... Oh, my favorite, I mean, probably the first one. I don't know. Twilight followed by Eclipse and then New Moon and then Breaking Dawn if we're talking books. But if we're talking movies, Breaking Dawn Part 1 has a very special place in my heart and I can't explain it. Uh, Me too. And I think the reason why it's like so like gross but like sexy that like Bella's like so like heroin chic but like pregnant and like edward is like so protective of her but like jacob's like oh i'm protective of her too (laughs) i keep her warm and she like and like she's like drinking blood and it's like it's all very erotic i don't know it is yeah also i love weddings so it was very important for me to see how bella and edward's wedding actually happened and um i loved her dress from her nightmare but i hated her dress from her actual wedding yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That, yeah, the, I didn't hate the dress, but I know what you're saying. The nightmare dress is maybe better. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, let's uh, let's just have a Twilight podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm on it. Cool. I'm definitely on it. Um, Jonathan, where can the people find you, and what have you been enjoying? Uh, you can find me on IG and letterboxd at john zavaleta uh thing i've been enjoying uh we just watched itu mama tambien oh yeah i've never seen before speaking that was of, amazing speaking of quaron um and uh yeah it was good solid cool it's a nice uh to watch a movie about people going places when you can't go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Miranda, where can the people find you? What have you been enjoying? And do you have anything else to plug? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you guys can find me mainly on my Instagram. I never leave it. Um, It's, like, kind of complicated. It's Miranda (laughs) Heart. (laughs) Hearts you. But my last name is spelled H-A-R-T, and then hearts is spelled uh, like the English dictionary. Uh, (laughs) 
uh, yeah, so I'm always on that. And then that's like basically it. That's like where I live. I don't really go on Twitter. Um, I should, but I don't. I don't know why. Uh, you know, yeah. Twitter's that's a fine. troubled Same place. Way. It's a troubled, troubled place. Um, and then, yeah, I'm like releasing a short film soon. We keep like going back and back and forth because we don't really have the title for it. We keep, me and my friend keep fighting about it. Um, but I will be posting a short film uh, on Vimeo and YouTube and IG Live in the next week or so. So look out for that. And um, I, what have I been enjoying? I've been enjoying uh, showing my boyfriend movies, but like we both actually hadn't seen the whole thing of He Got Game with Denzel Washington and Ray Allen. Mm. And we watched that and I was just like, wow, like we've been watching a lot of like toxic masculinity movie yeah. <laughs> and that one is really good because i feel like the men are like really punished for it <laughs> i don't know you gotta watch it i i think uh uh i think spike lee is like weirdly underrated like that movie like actually like like i know he like gets like his accolades but like that movie didn't get nominated for anything and that movie stylistically is super interesting like, things are really, like, they have these, like, really choreographed scenes that are just, like, super punchy and, like, bright and interesting. And I just think people should go rewatch that movie. Also, if you're a Rosario Dawson fan. Wait, I missed the name of the, what movie was it? Uh, He Got Game. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, like, about a basketball recruit, and it's played by a real basketball player, Ray Allen. And it's weird because I'm not sporty at all, but my father is. So I was like, Dad, I watched He Got Gay. <laughs> <laughs> and then my dad loved me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about it. Nice. Cool. cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great time. I'm so glad we had such a before expert come on to talk about this, uh, the final movie in the trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was my pleasure, you guys. I, uh, yeah, I like, I took a nap right before and I like woke up so panicked that I had slept through it. And I'm just so glad you, you guys dealt with me and, uh, you know, <laughs> guided, guided me through this dreamlike state of the Ethan Hawk universe. <laughs> yeah, he truly is a dream. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs>